Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today we are going to be breaking down the Scott Fishbowl draft. Mario Puig and John McKechnie here. Mario and I are both participating in respective fishbowl leagues. So we're going to break down how the early parts of those drafts are going. Let's get into it. Let's start the show. <laughs> in this is the rotowire fantasy football podcast presented by our friends over at uh, reality sports online and fan tracks i'm your host john mckechnie that is mario puig uh mario i am tired doing a little bit of uh a little bit of beating myself up and uh wondering how much money i have in my bank accounts so being a little bit scared to, to take a gander that means i've been in vegas all week uh, how many days were you there? Um, I was there from Sunday morning till Wednesday afternoon. So um, that's once you there, there's like that's the a gr- while. Yeah, yeah. The, the golden, you know, about 48 hours it, it, in my experience is about the maximum. And any any hour after that, that you're still out there in the desert, um, it, it's it compounds at a absurd level so um yeah i can only uh go to that one super eight casino uh, oh yes nice cheap one but it you know four days in a row just sitting at a stool there starts to feel a little odd it it does i i had some some tough luck at the golden nugget the first night and then um some great some great hands i played at at, uh, circa um, on the following night. So that, that kind of floated me for, for the week. So that, that was good. That was unexpected. Kind of just usually sit down at the, at those tables in Vegas, expecting for that money to evaporate. And I just hope that it doesn't take only five minutes and I can just kind of sit there at the table with my friends, but uh, it worked out, ate some great food, uh, ate tons of sushi on, on Tuesday. That was, that was awesome. Um, but all, all in all, another uh, top-notch uh, rotowire trip out out to the desert. Um, I don't need to to bore the listeners with any more of those uh, not very specific anecdotes. But you know, hey, uh, what do they say? They say what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I, g- I gave you a little little a little preview of of what happened out there. It's a good time though. Um, but it's July. It's mid July. Still got a couple weeks for for training camps to to fully start, and that means that it's Scott fishbowl season. Um, so I, I was lucky enough to participate in the uh, live event uh, here in Atlanta last Saturday. Um, I'm drafting in the, in the Coca-Cola division of the, of the Atlanta live. The other one being of course, waffle house. Um, because when you, when you think of the two big Atlanta food brands, those, those are it. So um, as, as you'll notice, if you're on the live stream with us, we actually upped our production quality a little bit here. I am sharing the screen with my ongoing fishbowl draft. Um, really fun event over there on, on Saturday over by the Brave Stadium. And good, good folks are, are drafting this one. Some industry, some just big fantasy football fans. And I drew the seventh spot, uh, which is pretty much what, what I wanted because I wanted to draft Trevor Lawrence. I knew that I wanted to take him in, in the first round, but I didn't want to be drafting high enough to where I would be, you know, taking him over Joe Burrow or, or anything like that. So you did like take se- him over uh, Herbert though, right? I did. I did. That's interesting. I, Cause I, I also had the seventh pick and I took Herbert. So now we okay. have to be in a big uh, fight about it. We, we do. And I, I can't blame you much for that. I mean, Herbert is obviously a phenomenal talent, um, and you know, we, we have an offense incoming in, in Los Angeles that should look a little bit more functional, a little more healthy one that, you know, maybe gets to unlock Herbert and in, in that downfield ability a little bit more. So definitely wouldn't have, uh, poo-pooed, uh, taking Justin Herbert there at, at seven, but nor I, I Lawrence to be clear, I'm a big, big Trevor Lawrence fan. So I support thank it. Thank you. 
Yeah, and, and Herbert probably has a little bit more rushing upside, so I, th- I think that's that's I, definitely. I don't think so, actually. Did, no. I, I was surprised. Have you? Seen, I, I forgot that Trevor uh, ran for like three hundred and five touchdowns or something last year. So, oh, did uh, he really? Yeah, he's he, he can really run. Uh, but Herbert, he's he's I think got the better chance of getting like five thousand yards. Not that I'm. Mm-hmm. I, I do not at all want to count out Lawrence for that. I, I absolutely think he'll have five thousand yard seasons in his career. I just. Don't know if it'll be this year, though. Well, it could be. It, it could, and I'm betting that that it will. Um, basically, my, my thinking here is that when we're talking about fishbowl this time next year, if we're, if we're talking about uh, just you know base football drafts and and quarterback strategy, I'm just of the belief that this time next year, after Mahomes. Lawrence is going to be that next guy that, that everyone talks about. I, I really believe that he's about to put himself in, in that type of position. I think the talent is just that ridiculous. And now I do feel you know confident in that supporting cast. And I think it, it helps that this is his second year in that system. You add in someone like Calvin Ridley, even if it takes him a second to, to kind of get up to speed, I think just his presence alone is going to help that offense immensely. You still have Christian Kirk. You still have Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, I think only going to get better and help that offense out even more. Hope the offensive line can keep Lawrence upright and everything like that. But uh, I just, am a, I'm just such a believer in, in that town, that late season uh, kind of breakout la- last year. I think really kind of, you could argue it started in the second half of that Ravens game where he pretty much just put the team on, on his back and, and brought the Jags back for victory. So Again, quarterback, I felt like was uh, was the way to go and, and Lawrence uh, within that. Um, so I, I guess we, we could back up for just a second. If, if you're unfamiliar with why the, this Scott Fishbowl uh, draft, especially the, the first round, uh, if you're taking a look at it, why it looks like this. And the reason is it's, it is a super flex league and also it is a tight end premium league. So you can you can start just one tight end, um, but their scoring is juiced up to, uh, to kind of make them a little bit more viable to, to use at, in, in your flex spots. So with tight ends, you get uh, one extra point uh, per first down and one extra point per reception. So it's two points per reception for, for the tight ends. Uh, so that's why Travis Kelsey uh, went first overall. Was that something that, that you noticed from, from your draft as well, where, where Kelsey was a, a lock first round top three type of guy? He went third in mine. I would imagine he typically goes first. And in the cases that he doesn't, he almost always goes second. I think it's pretty rare that he falls to three like he did in mine. But uh, the first two picks were Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, I don't really see personally the, the Jalen Hurts angle there, but uh, whatever. It's uh, <laughs> probably not going to kill that team. If that team doesn't win at all, it probably won't be because of Hurts. No, I, I don't think so either, but I, I do tend to agree with you where I, I probably would have taken Kelsey over, over Hertz in this particular format. But yeah, I think, I think Hertz a very, very high floor. And they do the give ceiling. you points we'll for uh, carries though. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at the point total from last year and Hertz was actually had a lot of 50 point games just because he had a lot of like 15 carry kind of games too. So it's like, uh, yeah, they, they give it. It's only like a, uh, I want to say 0.25 points per carry, but it you know Correct. adds up after a while. No, absolutely. If you have a very active rusher, then that that is really going to help things among your your quarterback um, build roster construction uh, that that sort of thing. Um, also, wanted to mention quickly that we do have something cooking with uh, the with Scott Fish and the and the good people over at Fantasy Cares. Uh, just to fill you guys in, Rotowire is thrilled. To be part of the Scott Fishbowl with a dozen participants, including two sitting right here talking to you. But we're taking our commitment to charity a step further this month. For every new free trial sign up this July, we will donate one dollar to Fantasy Cares. Learn more and sign up for your free two-day trial at rotowire.com/slash/donate. Help a great cause and see for yourself why tens of thousands of fantasy players invest in a Rotowire subscription. So again, check that out. Uh, the link is rotowire.com slash donate. Um, so let, let's keep it rolling, Mario. Um, usually, I, I feel like the, the conventional wisdom in Fishbowl, at least through the first two, three rounds, is you want to have two quarterbacks or or at least one tight end kind of figured out in the in the early stage. 
But I think if you go, if you're a little bit too beholden to like the conventional wisdom, you can miss out on, on some really great value that ends up being created by, you know, quarterbacks and tight ends getting pushed up the board a little bit. So when Jamar Chase fell to me in the second round, it felt like kind of a no brainer and, and same deal for me uh, with, with AJ Brown in the third round. So I understood that I was, you know, kind of punting some of that, that tight end upside uh, by going there. But I figured if I just hammered the, and got, you know, two guys that are first round receivers uh, in the second and third, it, it will work out. I'm confident enough that I could have found a, a tight end and, and a quarterback a little bit later on uh, that, that can be at least serviceable enough to, to make those Jamar Chase and AJ Brown picks you know, m- more than worthwhile. Yeah. I don't really know how to do the, you know, factoring for the, for the tight end scoring. Uh, I, I don't know how to look at the receiver rankings and go, Oh, that's where tight end X should go relative to those guys. Like I, I know that in, you know, half point PPR and PPR, but uh, it's, it's tough for me to think through after Kelsey. Anyway, it's tough for me to like really get why the tight ends are going that high with Kelsey. It's, it's easy enough. It's like how he almost goes that high anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, when you put up the, the two extra points per first down that, that clearly will add up really quickly. So, uh, but after him and especially after guys like, uh, I don't know, let's say, Yes, Mark Andrews, maybe uh, Hawkinson, maybe uh, a lot of the tight ends that I tend to target outside of the fishbowl are not specifically reception hogs. Uh, they're I, I probably more so chase like yardage, I guess, and uh, hopefully touchdowns. But uh, so basically, though, I, I, I'm saying hopefully touchdowns and definitely on the yards because I take a lot of Kyle Pitts in the like sixth round in uh, whatever underdog or something else. And in here, I was, I was like, man, should I just take pits like I always do? And I, I couldn't quite sell myself on it as quickly as I do in every other case because I don't even really project Kyle Pitts to be like an 80 catch play. I'm thinking more like, I don't know, 65, 70 catches, but he's doing like 15 yards a catch. And, you know, he's among the league leaders and touchdowns for tight ends, something like that. But, you know, with that first down point and especially with the first down at tight end detail, like getting chain movers, I feel like uh, like the the chain mover guys gain a little bit in this system, and the big play guys maybe lose a little bit. So who who kind of fits that that bill for you? I've, I've you know I haven't taken a tight end yet in mind, so I don't know. I got to figure it out because I'm uh, I'm going up to like the sixth round or something like that, and all my favorites are pretty much gone. So I, I guess I'm punting. But so so I noticed you, John, took uh, Pat Fryermuth. I'm a big fan of his, but I'm afraid of the quarterback on that team. So uh, it's like I, in terms of skill, I would consider him, but I just, you know, haven't yet. And I, I assume like in your case, Evan Ingram went quickly around that same point. I'm pulling up the draft order in mind right now. Uh, I just, maybe this was, maybe it was stupid to, to kind of like get cold feet on the, on the full Jaguar stack. Um, But that, I just instead of Ingram, I wanted to diversify a little bit and and you know not put myself in that uh, week nine or week ten uh, bye week hell. So uh, I yeah Ingram went the pick after. Um, well, you already I, have ETN and Ridley, so that's kind of you know that, that's pretty much a stack. That that's what I'm saying, and and Ridley hadn't that pick hadn't even occurred yet, but I was I was you know making a calculated risk essentially that that Ridley would be available next time through the order and he was so, so that, that was a, a bit of a roll of the dice that ended up working out, but Firemuth definitely understand the concern being tied to Kenny Pickett, uh, less ideal certainly than, than being tied to, to one Trevor Lawrence. But, um, I'm just a, a big believer in Firemuth's talent yeah, and you really know, we're, we're, we're entering that, that third year for, for him at, as a tight end in the league. So I feel like he's just, he's, he's ready to go and, and, kind of understands the, the the grind and the physicality at, at this level of playing the tight end position, everything like that. I thought he started to, to really kind of show out last year, maybe not expecting the, the amazing receptions or yardage totals either, but I, I think that he can be one of their best, if, if not their best, um, you know, kind of red zone option. So I'm, I'm a big believer in Fryermuth. I've I'm starting to get a lot more shares of him. I've noticed, I've noticed the, the ADP over on, on underdog. He's like him and, David Njoku 
um, are, are kind of going right right next to each other now. Where whereas before, I felt like Njoku was going what at least a half round, if not a full round, ahead of Fryermuth. I you know I have no idea. I've I've been mostly sitting here the whole time thinking about how I'm surprised at how high Fryermuth is going and. Uh, I not that I am doubting his talents, but it's like, man, he only had 63 catches, 732 yards in 16 games. But uh, yeah, with whereas with guys like Evan Ingram, um, I don't know. At least he's in like the 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 supposed to be good offense, and with Njoku, the maybe probably good offense, and slash, he's like a um, I don't know, he's supposed to be like a, a good red zone guy, if nothing else. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess it makes sense that. Fryermuth would go as high as he does if the other two are going as high as they tend to because it's it's not that easy to distinguish them. But I guess I'm I'm just surprised at how high all three are going. I suppose uh, that's that's probably why I am going into the whatever yeah the seventh round now with no idea what I'm going to do about tight end because I'm just like not getting on the the beat the, the, that I need to to really like understand this market the way that it's shaping up. So. Yeah, apparently I'm just going to have like Jawan Johnson or something as my <laughs> starter, uh, which is not really the goal. No, not 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 really. Um, but I, I I do trust your ability to to kind of uh, work uh, your way out, out of this pickle that that you're this putting will yourself be my in. Team, I know he'll okay. probably he'll probably go before like my next seventh pick. Somebody and in the then, draft probably loves mustaches. Uh, well, I mean, it's, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty common in, in these drafts, but, um, but would you even consider our guy, Alberto a little bit later, a little, little Denver tight end, <laughs> just cover the bases. I mean, I guess we'll see how many rounds there are. If I, if I'm in the last round and a uh, last couple rounds and it's just some guys that I don't care about maybe, but, uh, I take Alberto as like a total wild card, nothing assured at all. So uh, while I have all the faith in the world that if given the opportunity, he would thrive, especially as kind of like the Marquez Colston sort of position in the offense. And uh, whereas I am confident that Dulcich cannot play that, I have no assurance at all that Sean Payton's looking at it that way. And they have enough receivers mm-hmm. on hand that they could kind of, um, you know, not have the Jimmy Graham Marquez Colston role. They could say, like, well, we, we didn't have Jerry Judy in New Orleans, so we're going to make something that looks like a Jerry Judy offense, which doesn't have a Jimmy Graham in it, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. stuff like that is all on the table. I have no idea which way it's going to go, but yes, if, if Alberto has the opportunity, uh, he will be good. I, I am positive of that. Same here. Lockstep uh, for, for that one. Um, but let's see, let, let's keep it moving. Uh, so into the seventh round, uh, I definitely started to kind of get go with uh, my, my pet projects, uh, the guys that, that I drafted a ton of um, on underdog. So that kind of allowed me to, to go on like mental autopilot a little bit um, dur- during the later part of, of the uh, live draft on Saturday. Um, so let's see here. I, CJ Stroud, of course, um, especially with, with all the quarterbacks starting to dry up and you need that second quarterback. Um, he, he kind of represented the, the last of the ones that I feel like confident in. Um, then I went Isaiah Pacheco needed it, needed a second running back badly at that stage of the draft. Not, can you maybe feel a little bit better about the Pacheco pick? What was your concern with it? I, I just, I don't understand. It doesn't feel like, so you took him after Rashad white before David Montgomery. I would definitely take Pacheco like way ahead of Rashad white, but I'm lower on Rashad white than most people. Um, I think it's tough to distinguish him. Uh, sorry, Pacheco. It's tough to distinguish from like, yeah, the, a lot of the guys who were going around here, the Cam Akers, James Connor, David Montgomery's, et cetera. So uh, I'm not really hammering uh, Pacheco the way that, that, you know, I do some players, but he's one of those guys who's just always on the short list of like running back two, running back three. Uh, what is it? I know I took him a handful of times after taking JK Dobbins. So I guess that must've been in like the late sixth round or something that I was taking Pacheco. So mm-hmm. once you're in that range, I feel like those guys blend together enough that it's like, it's not really worth having too rigid of an opinion on any of them. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, in, they're, they're one of the, they're one of those tiers where it's like the best one will be determined on the basis of luck, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the worst. I- so I guess with Pacheco, it's almost like a, what am I missing? As in, why is he a valid, like, why is he waiting as long as he has when, you know, I I could just kind of describe him in a certain way. Okay. We got the running back one, 
for the Kansas City Chiefs that, that he's really you know, fast. A, he's really fast, really physical. Breaks a lot of tackles. Yeah. Like, why, does, uh, why just, doesn't anyone want this? Uh, exactly. So, so I just don't understand, I guess, that the market generally. I think it's it a variety, a variety of concerns, probably like one. Uh, I, I would bet Pacheco faces some skepticism from both. And I know these are like the same people in a lot of cases, but the people who are real obsessive about draft capital and the people who are obsessive about, about passing down snaps, uh, Jarek McKinnon being the passing down foil, of course, I don't think Pacheco is bad at passing downs. I know he didn't catch that many passes at Rutgers, but um, did he not play all but one of those years with Raheem Blackshear on the team? So is that a good point. Raheem Blackshear is like the best pass catching running back of all time. So if, <laughs> if Pacheco doesn't get targets over him, I don't care. Uh, and I thought I, I thought I saw a couple of games uh, like their freshman year. Probably it was such a stupid offense that Rutgers had, but they had Pacheco and Blackshear as freshmen. And it was like, uh, right before they had those couple of years where they completed less than 50% of their passes mm-hmm. for like four and a half yards a pass. Mm-hmm. And so you, they, they were running this kind of like deformed wishbone kind of thing where like they <laughs> didn't have an actual quarterback who could run doing the quarterback part, but they did have the two running backs playing at the same time and all the touches would go between the two of them. And I thought I remembered seeing Pacheco do pretty good with some passing down snaps. So I personally... Him leaving open the possibility that he does more on passing downs than people suspect this year, uh, at least more than what he did last year. Uh, part of the caveat there is, of course, I'm a McKinnon hater, so right. I'm, I'm like predisposed <laughs> to thinking Pacheco could catch him that way. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's like the draft capital people and the passing down people, and I would say there are a couple legitimate you know concerns with Pacheco. The the main one being, I guess, I just don't like the idea of Clyde Edwards Hilaire still being on that team. I don't think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is, I don't think he, he's not bad, you know, and people talk about him like he's just some total joke. And he's, I, as someone who's substantially invested in Pacheco, I kind of wish he were, but he isn't. He's not that bad. So it's like, do I really imagine Clyde Edwards Hilaire, if he, if he were to step on the field, do I imagine him like failing and, and, you know, just cementing Pacheco's role that much more? I don't actually. I, I, I worry that if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plays at all, it can start to turn into like a little bit of a rotation just because I, I doubt Edward Hilaire is going to, you know, really stumble. He, he's only failed to this point because he keeps getting hurt, you know? So, uh, and I'm a little worried about Pacheco maybe getting hurt. There's a bit of a cost to playing the way he does. He, he mm-hmm. kind of, the worst case scenario that I guess I could recall recently is Chris Ivory. Like he yeah. just, he like just bashed himself to pieces over a few years so, yeah, that kind of stuff, it, it is a concern, but I do think if anyone's skeptical of Pacheco just because they just straight up don't think he's any good or they think he's easily replaced, that I don't quite agree with because he, even if he, even he wouldn't be good in like other offenses because of the lack of vision or whatever else, you don't need vision in this offense. Like this is, this is why I keep talking about how like Damian Williams was so good in that offense. And it's just because he's fast and has anchor, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he probably doesn't have vision or something. But when Mahomes is your quarterback, the defense is giving you space. You don't need to read your way to the open field. It's just put in front of you, at which point it's up to you to be fast enough to just get the point B before the gap closes. So Pacheco is a perfect fit for their system in that way. Like he will, he will, as long as he's as fast as he is, he will always give them big returns on the ground. And I think he can give them more big plays on the ground than he did last year. Like he didn't have a 40 yard last year. He's going to get a 40 yarder this year. So he can go over five yards of carry. You know, there's, there's a lot of things go, going well for Pacheco, you know, despite these things that I'm kind of a little bit paranoid about. Yeah. The, the CEH detail is, is interesting. You know, th- this is kind of it for him as far as his, his like legitimate chances at getting opportunity. He really does need, need to make the most of it with this being his fourth season in the league. Right. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But I, and, I guess I supposed it if I wanted to fixate on the draft capital element of it, uh, I could creep myself out a little bit, but I thought Pacheco doing as well as he did in such an important stretch run of the season for the chiefs last year. I think that has to build him uh, some good cachet with, with, with the coaching staff. Um, I think he's on the Chris Carson trajectory, you know, like it, 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 it uh, didn't last that long with Chris Carson and it wasn't obvious that he was as good as he was until it was, you know, into his second year, I would say, but, 
it's it's a similar thing. It's like this, clearly Pacheco would not go in the seventh round if the draft were held again. He's he's already proven a certain number of things, etc. Uh, the assumption that he he'd fail is basically just uh, superstition, deferring mm-hmm. to the draft capital thing. And we don't think that this is, you know, obviously a ton of other stuff happened injury wise to to make it this way, but. Do you, do you have any concerns that there's like a James Robinson-esque career arc? Well, James Robinson's knee failed him. Like he's got he's got a bad knee and it hasn't been able to like practice for basically since he hurt it last year. I don't know if it was because of related to the Achilles tendon, but it, it might have been. So he's got a knee worse than the Achilles and uh, that's uh, not sounding so good. But I don't worry about... Um, like I wouldn't have worried about Robinson if he hadn't gotten hurt, you know, right. He he, uh, was a good player and now he is basically unable to pass a physical. So I do worry about Pacheco having that kind of like Chris Ivory, Chris Carson kind of, you know, you, if you want to break 50 tackles a game, eventually, you know, you're going to walk like it the day after. Right. And it's, it's, uh, you only get so much time playing that way. That's true. Uh, it, it can definitely chew you up that way when you, when you have that, that type of physical uh, style kind of leading uh, as your leading trait. Um, before we get on to some more picks, notable picks from uh, this draft, got a message from our friends over at Reality Sports Online. By now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz is about in the Dynasty community. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Do you think it sounds complicated? Well, it's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test out our general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. We also got a message from our friends over at Fantrax. Free fantasy football players out there, Is there something you wish your league had or features that are missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings? Well, look no further because we have you covered with our friends over at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. I can definitely attest to that. Play play all my college fantasy football uh, season-long leagues over there. Very customizable. They they work with you to, to... Whatever kind of crazy stuff you want in your league, Fantrax can can absolutely make that happen. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league. Invite your friends and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming from another service, not a problem. Fantrax can easily import your current leagues and rosters and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax commissioner tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there is anything lacking from your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion that you do not want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash Rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game and your entire league. Plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win, simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Mario, pushing forward. Uh, so you probably figured before we even sat down here that, that I would, was going to grab Chigo Conquo and Sam Howell. And you were uh, right. I knew Howell. I, was, I didn't know for sure about Conquo, but with Howell, it was, it was definitely a when, not if kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, you know, sometimes, you know, you're, you're the same way. I've always kind of revered the, this about you. You, you got your brand and you got to, you, you know, in this particular opportunity, like underdog, I'm just some guy with it, with the, with the poodle avatar, but, but here is the fishbowl draft, you know, got to, got to put my name, my face out here a little bit more, stick those takes out there for everyone to see. And, and yes, Chigo Conquo, I did feel like I needed to leave, uh, the first half of the draft on, on Saturday with two tight ends set. Um, I've seen the market movement uh, on the DeAndre Hopkins thing where he is, where the Tennessee is heavily favored to uh, be, to be the team that lands him. Uh, so I guess we, we can kind of pivot for a second. Do you, do you have any uh, thoughts there? I thought I saw you firing off some takes I don't on Twitter think he's, Yeah. I think that's just kind of, um, with this having dragged on as long as it has and with no definite resolution in sight, I think not, not, I'm not saying like the, the books were trying to get people to bet by just tinkering with the odds to make something look like something's happening. Like there's action afoot, you know, I, mm. I don't think that's what it was. Although I do think that it had that incidental effect anyway. I think uh, some people just started placing bets when they saw that Mike Reese tweet, which was like a reply to some rando <laughs> on Twitter. And in the reply, he was like, yeah, the, the Patriots haven't been as aggressive as the Titans. So I guess I'd say the Titans. And I understand why he would say that. And it's, it's like reasonable what he said. And uh, I even understand, you know, that I understand that like the, the, the Patriots are not going to bid more that like uh, the chiefs, uh, are for the moment not in the bidding until they extend Chris Jones. So I can see why based on what we know today or yesterday or whatever, someone might say like, I guess Titans, but to me, it sounds more like they're saying because I, they can't find evidence of anything else. It's not so much that they're saying like, Oh, this looks like it's happening as much as they're saying like, we have nothing else to indicate anything, whatever way other than this. So when people start placing bets on it, the books eventually have to change the odds just based on like, you know, the public betting. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's all that's happening now. And uh, I think, yeah, it was like that there would have been no more betting on where DeAndre Hopkins was going unless some new information came forth. And uh, the odds have gone up and down uh, more than a few times with a few different teams to this point. And it's like, I I understand why, why people kind of, uh, especially when it seems like there's like a real new development and like one team, rather than a few pulling ahead. I understand why that seems like, oh, this is really it this time. But before it was really it this time, it was really it like, oh, the bills and you know this other stuff. And those odds were issued on some basis, yes. But in a large part, I think just because they were anticipating the public reaction, like they knew the bills were a, t- a popular team to bet on and like Bill's fans would bet on Hopkins go- going to sign with them, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I, I just, I'm not saying it's like a scheme in play to get people to bet on Hopkins props, but that kind of stuff that that there is a little bit of the calculus can, you know, trying to anticipate the public's behavior like that, that also goes into those odds. So uh, it's, it's like rejuvenated the betting uh, market on Hopkins for a time. And I think Mm -hmm. it'll go stale again if we don't get any more new information for, I don't know, three or four or five days, which I kind of expect to happen. So 
I think it could, if Chris Jones signs an extension, then it's like, okay, maybe in like 12 hours we get something here. But I do think Hopkins is waiting on the chiefs to do that. Okay. So, so there's that big domino that, that still needs to fall and, and, uh, you know, touching on the, the big news in the league, uh, for, from earlier today on Thursday, uh, Quinn and Williams. Uh, so, yeah. so the, the jets went ahead and, and, uh, extended him. I believe he's the, the highest paid defensive lineman. Now I think 96 mil is, is his deal, uh, beating out, um, Jeffrey Simmons by, I believe $2 million on the overall life of the, uh, contract. Um, any instant reactions there? Like the, you know, this felt like a no brainer for, for the jets, especially how he's, how he's played the, the last couple of seasons. But, um, you know, do, does this kind of set the jets up for, you know, defensive dominance for, for the next couple of years, your, your thoughts here. Certainly helps. W- Williams is really, really good. And, you know, you mentioned Jeffrey Simmons, He's also very good and probably more or less worth the contract that he got. But even as great as Jeff Simmons is, it's like Quentin Williams is on another level, even from him. And he's the kind of guy who can single-handedly make a front seven pretty good. So uh, if CJ Mosley stays on, if Carl Lawson can stay healthy, if John Franklin Myers can keep doing well, if Jermaine Johnson takes a step forward, that stuff uh, could amount to, you know, a, a, a perfect storm of, of, you know, a bunch of talented players hitting their stride in, uh, you know, at the, at the same time, at the right time and, and roles that suit each other and play off of each other, complement each other. Well, so uh, we have reason to believe the, the corner rotation will be very effective. And if the pass rush stays, you know, surging under Williams as, as an anchor, then I, I think that, uh, yeah, it's hard to see where the defense would regress. And obviously Sala, had them working pretty well last year. So I would expect that to pretty much continue or maybe even get a little better. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm big fan of Quinn and Williams. Uh, one of my like all time favorite athlete clips was, uh, I think it was d- either during the draft or, or shortly before, like a couple of days before Quinn and Williams got drafted and uh, he just sneezed in the middle of the interview and, and he said, excuse you. Thank you to himself. Uh, if you uh, YouTube Quinn and Williams sneeze, it's just like such like a funny little like bless you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, but you know, big, big fan of his. I think that that was a no brainer uh, for the Jets. I, I, it is interesting to me that, that you mentioned Jermaine Johnson in the sense that like it felt like okay, so he's a top ten pick last year, right? I Whoa. don't feel like nationally we heard anything about him. He fell to like twenty five. Uh, oh, he was projected he? to go like top 10, but That's yeah, right. he, ended, he ended up falling to, he was like their third first rounder. Like they traded up to take him. That's right. Uh, I, needed, I, think, I needed a refresher. Uh, yeah, I think, that, and I have no idea what he did as I, I totally lost track of him. Um, he had two and a half sacks, so that's not that good. Uh, nope. Yeah. He, he was someone who um, seemed more toolsy than skilled and mm-hmm. uh, broke out late in college at a bit of a higher age. So I do worry about a guy like him kind of maxing out as like a seven, eight sack kind of player, but one that maybe seems by the eyeball test a little better than they actually are just because he'll, he'll have some plays in pursuit where he just looks huge and fast, which he is. Uh, It's just, it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of huge and fast players in the NFL and the ones that are more than rotational players, replacement level players, I should say, uh, have a little bit more than just, you know, the freakish athleticism going for him. So uh, I understand why they spent that additional first rounder on Will McDonald, but man, that was a bad pick too. Oh yeah. That, that was a, that a was little bad. bit. A- <laughs> that was like, they were on the clock with just like the D E category and a draft software on the board. And uh, I don't remember who went the pick before, uh, but it's like they, they wanted the other defensive end who went in like the top 15 and then just like that was on and they timed out and they ended up with Will <laughs> McDonald, even though he should have been like a third round pick. Yeah. It's just scr- scrambling. Oh crap. I'm about to time out. Um, look, before we get on to the, uh, the rest of uh, some of these picks uh, message from our friends over at blue wire. All right, moving onward. Um, let's see here. Jamison Williams, what is your opinion on, on him in the 12th round? Um, obviously we, we know that he's got, he's got the suspension looming. Um, but you know, do you, I guess, you know, we, we've had a couple of 
weeks or at least a, over a month now, I think to, to kind of like digest that, that information. So do, does where his ADP, uh, where that is settled, does that seem to, to make sense to you with the risk reward, you know, miss time, uh, type of dynamic, uh, added in? Yeah, it's a little tough. Don't get me wrong. It's not that easy to take a guy knowing that he's just straight up, not going to play for at least six games and could still get hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. in the, the other portion of the year that he's not suspended. So it's, it's a little concerning, but it kind of makes sense, especially because uh, he goes at like, how do you say this? Uh, he, he goes right at the point where there's kind of a drop off in wide receiver talent in the ADP. And so he's more so going with the group, the tier before that drop off, but he goes at the very end of it always because he's the one in that group. Who's not playing more than 10 game, 11 games. So mm-hmm. I, um, I'm a big fan of the player. I even think that if the lions offensive play calling stays as good as it's been, that they should be able to scheme open some downfield shots that even Jared Goff can hit dialed up downfield shots, basically, which is the only kind of downfield throw that Goff can make a uh, really, really obvious, um, kind of like, you know, not necessarily play action, but, uh, so something where the, the guy is basically running free. We need that. And so like w- Williams is good at being the guy who runs free. I think Ben yes. Johnson uh, might be good at setting it up. So even though I don't think golf can like hit the broad side of a barn after 25 yards, like I, I still think they'll be able to tap into that part of Williams's game pretty well. And I think, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like, it, it, it kind of feels weird to take him when the next wide receiver, any remaining wide receiver in the ADP is going to play 17 or at least be eligible to play 17 games, but I like you look at the receivers who went immediately after him and it's like Adam Thielen, like no way in hell. I don't know. Granted, I'm really low on Thielen this year. I don't know <laughs> if I take him in like any round, let alone over Jamison Williams uh, round it. Rondell Moore. That's where it starts to get a little tougher for me, but I, I still think I take Jamison Williams over him because I, I, I just worry about absolutely everything with the Cardinals. Sure. Uh, Jaco- Jacoby Myers. It's like, I, I can see, I know there's some people who have, have uh, very optimistic outlooks on Jacoby Myers. I don't really myself, I think he's a good player, but it, I don't think he's uh, going to be taking targets from Devonte Adams, you know? And I, I think Josh McDaniels is kind of screwing up that whole offense too. So I, 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 I do like the Jameson Williams pick. It's just kind of, I don't know. It's a tough pick to make, you know, it's hard. It's hard to make that one and feel like you got away with something. It feels like you're kind of, um, you're kind of like playing it awfully close more so. And it, yeah. it still should work. It's just, it, you know, it, it's surprising how much anxiety I get at the prospect of uh, taking a guy in uh, the, you know, the ninth or 10th rounder or wherever he goes. Right. Yeah. The, there's an obvious threading of the needle. I, I just, again, I think what it, what it comes down to is your read of that particular receiver tier and who it's has the talent drop off. Yeah, it's exactly. Like the, the talent drop off is, is profound at that point. And we just, we have such an incomplete sample from his rookie year. It's not like, you know, he is getting drafted routinely around, you know, uh, other valuable fantasy wide receivers and everything. So it's not like people are, have completely jumped ship or anything, but I think it's understated just like how explosive he can be at the NFL level, because basically, and I, I think I'm not mischaracterizing this, but if not for the ACL, uh, in the, in the national champion or the yeah national championship game, yeah. uh, would he, you know, he probably would have had a really strong case or it would have been hard to take him off of, uh, that, that wide receiver one in his, in his class, obviously, you know, re- reframing it, you're, you're going to put Olave and Garrett Wilson a- ahead of him now. But, uh, at the time, I mean, Jamison William, the, the explosiveness that, that he showed, uh, when, when he started in 2021 at Alabama was it's like, this guy's different. Yeah, I was a big fan of Jamison Williams. I was open to ranking him as the top receiver, but it's it was such a tough class to rank. Uh, I I was I am still lowest. I think of of that group. I'm lowest on Garrett Wilson, but it's like even he, I would say, is probably an All Pro kind of player. So uh, I, I will say this: I think I think that injury is the reason why the Vikings were willing to trade back from that pick. I don't know if uh, I don't know if the injury is why Williams went last out of the group of Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson and himself, but it would have been a lot harder for the Vikings to let him go. If he were healthy at that 12 pick. 
No, absolutely. To a division no. team, moreover, that was that was that was why it was actually a really stupid trade. Even even um, worked out well for the Lions. It was stupid for the Vikings to give them him. Yeah, I I, I tend to I tend to agree with you there. Um, running back has understandably uh, dried up a good bit. Um, the the drafter next to me is basically snatching up all the remaining They're doing running backs. NFC thing where they they just take uh, backup running backs and. Uh, watch training camp just obliterate the depth charts of the NFL and yeah, just total spray and pray. So I'm definitely going to need to, to work on running back here in, in the later portions of this draft. So to, to, to catch everybody up, um, I, I took after, after round 10. So starting around 11, Zach Charbonnet, Jameson Williams, Rondale Moore, Jeff Wilson, Tyler Boyd, Michael Meyer as my third tight end, Alec Pierce, and John Mechie. I have, I have so much Pierce and, and Mechie. It's like it, it's uh, almost disorienting at this point, but uh, I press on. Um, so running back, definitely going to need to be solved here in the, in the next little bit. But but all things, Mario, we're doing okay, you think? Yeah. What, can you scroll up again real quick? I can't remember who you had. Absolutely. You had ETN and Pacheco at running back, and then it's uh, uh, Charbonnet. Yes. So yeah. So Charbonnet is my my running back three. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, thinned out pretty bad. I, I noticed Keontae Ingram is off the board, so you're really uh, going to the bottom of the barrel whenever you whenever you go back to it. But uh, I think that uh, in a in a format like this where it's not just super flex, but there's also like four flex spots. I want to say or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, it's not as crucial to have running back depth. Uh, I, I think it's it's good to have a couple guys with realistic upside, which you have, and then uh, the person doing that that thing where they just take a lot of backup running backs, like that, they're they have a pretty decent approach there. But you're just like on the other side of that coin, and uh, you know, pl- playing the, the market role as it needs to be done. And it's it's like you know, it's just one of those things that. The, the healthier the running backs stay, the worse those backup running back picker teams do. And the, 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 the more injuries there are, the more those people stand to benefit. And it's just kind of a flip of the coin thing to me. Yeah, it's, it's really a lot of, um, you know, just essentially lottery ticket and trying to, trying to buy a, as many Powerball. Oh, God. That uh, person, uh, I have to say, might be like a, a, my mortal enemy, though. They're, they're, a, they're a zero running back and Dulcich picking team. Yeah, that I can't, I can't imagine. <laughs> Y'all have uh, very different uh, views, <laughs> viewpoints. On, on, I guess on they were doing a Broncos stack, though. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that they meant to be uh, Dulcich. Oh, they took Pitts. They're okay. They're not bad. Okay. All right. We pulled it. Pulled it out of the fire at the at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, definitely some Denver action there, and then yeah, just trying to trying to just spray and pray here at the, at the end with with their running back uh, situation. Um, Let's see. Before we, we round things off, Mario, uh, obviously you, you're um, a little bit earlier into your fishbowl, so you're just in the sixth round. So you have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, where else have you have you gone? Uh, I have Justin your- Herbert, actually. But, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, no, I I um I would have liked Lawrence too, but I went with Herbert at seven. Uh, I went Tyree Kill in the second round. I noticed a lot of people, a lot of sharp people too, have been very specifically angling for stacks uh, uh, pairings at least. I have not made that my priority. I've taken just players that I project for more points than another. And if I can get a stack going, great. But I'm not going to like take some player I like less to make it happen. So I have Justin Herbert from the first round. I took Kirk Cousins in the fourth. So I'm kind of going with those two at quarterback. And yet my receivers to this point are Tyree Kill from the second round uh, and T. Higgins from the fifth. And Calvin Ridley in the sixth. So I do not have any kind of stacks going. We'll see if I can get Jordan Addison here to go with Kirk Cousins. We'll see if I can get maybe Mike Williams to go with Justin Herbert. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got, oh, and Ramondre Stevenson at running back. So no tight ends yet, um, but I'm pretty much set at quarterback. We'll, we'll see if I'm feeling aggressive enough to go after Howell too. But if, if any of these folks uh, have been unfortunate enough to, to hear my, uh, talking of Howell to this point, they, they know they better take him about two rounds before ADP because otherwise Mario's coming in and, and scooping the, the league winner just right off right in front of everybody. 
Yeah, and he's going to be on my bench the whole time. You know, it's a shame. <laughs> Sorry, guys. What can I do? My hands are tied. Um, I think that that about rounds it out for us. We'll, we'll update uh, next week as far as how our fishbowl uh, drafts rounded out respectively. But uh, I think, Mario, as we get ready to, to sign out here, I, I do think this just came to my, to my mind based off of our discussion last week where what would we do if, if underdog drafts went into the, you know, into the 22nd round? And given the way that this running back board looks, I think we might go sicko mode. You know who you're going to pick next, John? You know, you know what running back you're picking next? Is it Chris Rodriguez or is it Raheem? Oh, it it might be Chris Rodriguez. It was either him or Raheem Blackshear. I don't know. Those are the two. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about that. And it's nice to at least have some semblance of an idea of what I'm doing next and feel depending on how many of my league mates are are watching this. You uh, probably take Kevin Harris too, right? They've got 22 rounds. So yeah, Yeah. you can probably go after someone like him, something like that. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be happy to do so. You should get a generic Prince just to get some, some, um, some uh, Isaiah Pacheco insurance. Oh, okay. I, I could get down with that. I, I, I liked his game at, at Tulsa. And it's the he Pacheco was... thing. He's, he's fast, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if he plays for them, he's probably going to do well. So uh, if Pacheco gets hurt, I would be worried about Prince, maybe getting his foot in the door a little bit, obviously Edward Tiller too. Okay. All right. That, that, that is extremely good Intel as we wrap up the show here, but that's going to do it for us. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks again for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, presented by our friends over at Fantrax and at Reality Sports Online. And do not forget, folks, that we are running uh, that uh, donation deal with, with charity. We're running that with, with our friends over at Fantasy Cares. So if you check out uh, the link at rotowire.com slash donate, we'll, we'll go ahead and throw that in the show description as well. So check that out. We'll be donating a dollar per free trial sign up this month and people love free trials this time of the year as they get their their draft prep all set up and ready to go but again that's gonna do it for us here thanks for listening This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.